0: By my faith, faith on heaven's, heaven's table, table, and a higher place play than I, I have. Found. Lord, plant my feet
1: on higher. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what we desire. Just Give me a little higher table than I found before. Take me a little higher, Lord. Let me see a little greater into the riches of His love. Amen. Amen. Certainly want to welcome you all to the house of the Lord this evening and bring you greetings from Brother Barry Johnson and the Saints in Calgary there. And we had a wonderful time in fellowship and in the service. And I believe the Lord had His way on Sunday morning. And we just thank you for all of your prayers that were prayed and God richly bless you for that and amen let's take our Bibles together and turn directly to the word and want to greet all the ones that are streaming in God bless you all the way from the Philippines and each one that would uh, be listening in tonight. God bless you amen Mark chapter nine mark chapter nine I want to just approach a subject tonight that we'll just lean on the lord to see how far we get i was asked if i had a lot on my plate and well we'll just scrape off as much as we can tonight and go from there amen mark chapter 9 verse 37 says whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me and whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me but him that sent me and John answered him saying master we saw one casting out devils in thy name and he followed not us and we forbade him because he followed not us and Jesus said forbid him not For there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together as we ask his blessing on the word. If you have a desire tonight, you want to ask the Lord, just come by my way. Why don't you just show it to him with an uplifted hand. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we are a needy people, Lord, and Father, we thank you for the prayer that was prayed, and Brother David, Lord, pouring out his heart, Lord. And Father, we want to join our faith together, Lord. Remember Brother Jake, Lord, and in pain, Lord. And Father, just touch him, come by his way tonight, Lord. And Father, remember the saints that are in the Philippines tonight, Lord. That there's strife and war and going on, and Lord, but you are our protection, Lord. As we just put our faith in you, and we ask that you just be a hedge around about your saints. Those that are your seed, Father, may you draw them closer together, Lord, and Father, we just commit them into your hands, knowing, Lord, you are more than able to take care of them. Father, we ask you just be with us now tonight, meet every need that's here, bless the reading of the word to our hearts, open our hearts tonight to receive it, Lord, we commit it all to you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may have your seats amen i will carry on with the scripture and i'm going to turn to a lot of scriptures tonight and maybe just slow down and do it more of a sunday school or a wednesday school teaching rather than more preaching i hope that's all right with you and if it's not well bless the lord anyways and pray for me amen what you pull for is what you'll get Amen. As we read this in Mark chapter 9, Jesus here really is. I want to take this and and speak tonight on the goodness of God. And maybe as a subtitle or a continuation of a title, Preservation by Uprightness. Because Jesus really is speaking here of goodness. As he begins to explain to them what goodness is. As he begins to speak and say, you know, if, if Whosoever shall receive one such child in my name one such a children like this. Just somebody that's humble, that's simple, just a child. Receive them in my name. Don't be high-minded and turning people out, but receive them. And he says, you don't just receive me, but you receive him that sent me. And as, as he begins to go on, John would <clears throat> uh, seemingly uh, begin to ask a question and begin to say, you know, hey, we found one that, that they're, they're casting out devils in your name. And they don't follow us. You know? they, don't, they don't go to our church. They don't, they don't listen to what we listen to. But they're casting out devils in your name anyways. They're going about doing works. And Jesus said, don't forbid him. Don't tell him to stop. He, nobody can speak lightly of me if they're doing the works in this way. And, and it wasn't that, and Jesus was beginning to speak in this way of, of goodness and what it's like, what it is like to have the goodness of the spirit and how, how it begins to cause a person to act and how it begins to cause a person to handle specific situations like this where maybe one would come and do things that we don't always or someone that you don't think they're doing, doing it the right way, but they're because they're, they're having a result they're doing good. They're, they're, they're furthering the kingdom of God. It's for a good purpose. Maybe it's not how we would look at it and say, well, that's not how I would do it. But it maybe that's how God can use that individual. So we ought to be able to pray together. And instead of forbidding them, John ought to be praying for him. To say, Lord, help that person. And it was good that he came. And sometimes we come this way even to prayer as, as John uh, really was talking to the Father as he's talking to Jesus. And he's bringing his need to Jesus saying, he was doing these things in your name and we forbid him. How often, I wonder, do we come in prayer like this? Lord, why is so-and-so doing this? Why are they like that? Why are they like this? And Jesus is saying, just relax. Yeah. They're like that for a purpose. They're going about it. I'm using them. I'm using this individual just like I'm using this individual. But, but I thank you that you brought it to my remembrance so I could give you some instruction. Yeah. Amen. And we need this instruction of the Lord even still today, even though we have the Bible in 66 books and we've got so many years of, of ministry. We need the instruction of the Lord that we receive on our knees. When we get into his presence and the sweetness and the goodness of God begins to bathe over us, it begins to soothe our doubts, our calm, our fears. We need those times, that sweet hour of prayer because quite often we can become worked up in ourselves. We can become uh, contentious in ourselves. We can become this way, and even as we read the Word, and maybe we see some things in the Word that are very straight, and we begin to look at it in a a way of correction, in a very straight way. But with it has to come a love. With it has to come a peace and a joy, because all of these things, they amalgamate together to make up the character of Jesus Christ. And I want to just continue on in this chapter, in, in, in chapter 9 of Mark, and we read up to verse 40, but now it says in verse uh, 41, it says, for whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Amen. And we thank the Lord for that, that even if someone will give us a cup of water, Amen. Even if someone if were in need and someone just help out and how many times we've been that way, just in need and someone just stopped by and maybe you don't know how to change your tire and someone stop and give you a hand. They won't really lose their reward for that. There's a reward in those things. Amen. And we ought to bless the Lord for that. Amen. I have a hard time. I, I'm a service plumber. I go into a lot of houses and quite often people offer me, would you like a coffee? I drink a lot of coffee they won't lose their reward in that. Maybe I'm not in need of it, but I just, Lord, if there's something you can bless them, that they desire to bless me, if that could be a blessing to them, and that might be all they get, or maybe it'll open a conversation, it's worth it. Amen. As it says in the next verse, begin to speak and say, uh, for whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better than... For him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast in the sea, we'll come back to that verse later, if if the Lord willing. But it says, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands and go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm where where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And my, what a verse! Well, what would you rather have cast into hell, but I lived a wonderful full life, all of the pleasures of the world, but rather walk through it main, but get to heaven. I'd rather the latter. I'd rather be on the other side. Hey, remember, the would talk about if you could offer me to live a million years and be the king, but afterwards it's, it's the end, or if I could live eternal life and live it for Christ, I'd take the eternal life. But, but we'll just skip down a few verses because then he goes on to talk. What if thy foot offends thee? And, and what if thine eye offended thee? And all of these things are in there for a purpose because all of these are different members that were used for a different purpose. And every one of us has a different battle. One of us, our eye offends thee. One of us, it's, it's our foot, where we go. The next one, it's what you're looking at. And they say, I would never go into a bar. The other person walks into a bar, but they would look at things that the other person would never look at. Oh my, and there's there's different temptations that we all face. But but now it goes down into into verse 49, and it says, And every one shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. And salt is good, but if the salt had lost its saltiness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves, and... Have peace one with another. In other words, don't just be so salty that nobody wants to be around you. And you're just constantly always season, season, season. No, but have a peace with everybody. It's not always about that, but there's a salty, there's a seasoning, and there's a peace. It has to come together. Nobody desires a salt that's so strong. If Everyone has had that joke played on them at the restaurant. Well, they take the, the cap of the salt and they just unscrew it so the next person that tips it over, it all just falls out on their food. Don't go play that joke next time. It's not funny. Thank the Lord I've never had it happen to me, but it's not funny. But you wouldn't want to eat the food anymore. It's so salty and you've made the individual so upset because their food is ruined. But all they wanted was a little bit of salt They would have been good. It would have helped. It would have been better. It would have made it a better thing. But it says that that everyone shall be seasoned with fire. You either accept the fire here, the fire of the Holy Ghost, or you accept it on the other side where there will be unquenchable fire. But in every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Amen. It has to be that way. But now I want to take a scripture, and you don't have to turn to it, Psalms chapter 25 and verse 21, if you just put it on the screen, Sister Ruth, it says, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. This is, of course, David speaking in Psalms chapter 25, if he's writing this, and I, I took a, a couple of services or a number of services earlier in the year on let integrity preserve me, and I want to just go into the other word here as the Lord begin to deal with me on this uprightness. What is uprightness? And it's not just integrity, but it's uprightness. They also go hand in hand, but also they separate out that they're two different things as well. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. And I want to I take this because uprightness and goodness is, is, is almost the same word. Because goodness in itself, a part of goodness, is uprightness of heart and uprightness of life. And the Spirit of God in an individual, as we know, goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. and We'll read that shortly. But but, but the Spirit of God in you makes you inherently good. In other words, it makes you inseparable from good. Because if the Spirit of God is in you, it will bear fruit. And it will bear, one of the fruits is goodness. And it will bring about a goodness that you can't eat. In other words, evil does no longer lie in you. Because God has to take the stony heart out to give you a heart of flesh, the scripture says. He has to change your heart so that way he can put his spirit in you and it can get along with your spirit. Because his spirit and our nature which was born in sin, shaped iniquity, came in the world speaking lies. They're contradictory to one another. As he says, the carnal mind is enmity with God. They don't get along very good because God won't be led by the spirit of God and that spirit is a gentleman. The Spirit of God will wait until there's one that will be led. It's what Blandon preached the message as the dove leads the lamb. And now, uh, but when the Spirit of God then comes in you, then the, the evil no longer lies in you. And as I was pondering on, on a scripture as all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And I begin to ponder on what that was. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh are, 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 are outward manifestations of sin. Those are things that you see, those are things that your flesh desires. They're things that are usually outwardly and are physical manifestations. But the pride of life is often not a physical manifestation, but rather it is a motive that pushes an individual and drives them through life in order to obtain a better lifestyle. In other words, it can drive a person to do evil in order for their own uh, betterment were seemingly for their own betterment. But Brother Benham says this in the message, Hebrews chapter 4, 1957. Uh, If you've read that recently, anyone, but it says, every man that's born of the Spirit of God despises the world. And if you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God is not even in you. That's what the Bible says. And he says, and a real pilgrim of this road simply hates the things of the world. He hates to see men drinking. He hates to see men smoking. He hates to see women on the street with them little old dirty clothes on. He hates to see bunkos and card parties. He hates to see the house of God misused. He hates to see the, 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 the spirit of the enemy coming in and creeping in amongst the believers. He hates that because it's the way of the world. He hates to see the pride of life overcoming the affection for things above because he's born of God. Now if I could take that just a step farther into Ezekiel chapter 9. Ezekiel chapter 9, we'll just take one verse. We know what Ezekiel 9 would we'll talk about the man with the ink horn and to go about and slay them all, the different, the, the slaughtering angel. But it says in verse 4, he says, And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the man that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. So here we have, and I remember I'm speaking on goodness tonight. Goodness is not always um, just being happy. There's more to it where this is the goodness of God that he desires to display himself through individuals. And as it begins to come out, they can't stand or they abhor evil. And it causes a real believer to sigh and to cry for the abomination that's done in the world. And I want to help you with this for a minute because it's not that every night you go to bed sighing and crying. But there's times where it grieves you so great that you can't help it. It's just pouring on your heart. You can't even hardly sleep. And there's times where the Spirit of God comes in you and you just begin to, to rejoice and you're so caught up in the Lord that those things of the world are so far removed from you. Sighing and crying is not even in your mind, but yet it's part of the believer. Because there's a time for everything and there's a season for everything. Hallelujah. Go to Ephesians chapter 5 with me if you would have your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all Goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So notice what saying, the fruit of the spirit is uh, the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth to prove. What is acceptable to the Lord. But it also then has another side to it. It says, and have no fellowship. In other words, there's an abhorrence to what the Spirit has. The Spirit desires things that are good, that are goodness, that are righteousness. That is what the Spirit brings forth. But it says it abhors or does have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But rather, reprove them. Now how do you reprove them? It's not always with words. It's with a godly life. It's displaying the goodness of God, the uprightness of God. It's displaying the truth. And that in itself reproves the darkness. How do you show a crooked stick? You put a straight stick beside it. How do you show a counterfeit bill? You show the real. But if if you go with me then to Galatians chapter 5, as I said, we get to here, so now we're here. Galatians chapter 5 and 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, "...long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit." Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So, notice every time Paul begins to write this, he writes it to the Galatians, he writes it to the Ephesians, and both times he dwells on the good and he immediately turns to the bad. He says there is something that is pleasing to God and there is something that is not pleasing to God. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't have this one and that one. You've got to choose one or the other. If you're walking in the Spirit, you cannot walk in the flesh. If you're walking in the flesh, you can't dabble in the Spirit. You're fooling yourself. The message be certain of God in 1959, the Branham says what we need today is not a lot of material things. He says we have that. We don't need greater churches. We don't need greater congregations. We don't need more on the radio and on the television. We don't need so many more of these things, but what we need today to be spiritual is a person that will humble themselves before God. If they haven't got a penny and will pray till that spirit within them is satisfied with the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Not that he just got a taste of it, but he's satisfied with the goodness of God. No longer looking for anything else in the world. No longer having any affections for the lust of the eyes and the flesh the pride of life. All of that becomes Dead. Why? Because he's willing to humble. She's willing to humble herself. Get hold of God and be satisfied with it. Yeah. And then he says, and the revival takes place on the inside of their heart. Yeah. Hallelujah. There's our revival. Yeah. Say, I want to come to church and have revival every time. Amen. Bring it then. Yeah. Good, right? Then bring the revival. Yeah. I brought mine tonight. Did you bring yours? Yeah. Amen. Then a revival takes place on the inside. He says, and that changes their attitudes and atmosphere that they live in. Oh, hallelujah. Now I want to go back to a scripture that it says, but if you offend the least of these, my little ones. Now, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, then I'm going to actually go into it deeper. And that is, if you're offended by the word of God, something's wrong. You ought not to be offended by the word of God. Are you his little ones if that offends you? But now he goes a little deeper with this quote where he says, it changes their attitudes and the atmosphere around them. So now it's not just, well, I preach the word of God. Yeah, you could say the word of God, and you could say it so straight till your attitude offends them. That's right. Are you with me now? Right. But it's not the word that is offending them. They'll receive that, but it's the way it's said. Right. It's the way it comes across. There's only certain people that you can look at, and I'll just go down this way, that, that Brother Branham, he could preach things that I can't preach. They yeah. say, but You can't preach everything? Yeah, I can with the unctions there. If it's in the right way and it's said in the right attitude, but he was the prophet to the age. He could say things like he could talk about women and say, Miss dog meat. He could talk about they're not worth the bullet. But if a preacher were to stand up here and just say that over the pulpit, just hammer it over and over and over again, you'd get the feeling I'm nothing. And it's not the word that's offending you because you're agreeing with it. But yet you're looking at it saying, but, but where's the lifting up? Where, where's, the, where's, the, where, where's the honey that's put on the rock? Because that's what the good shepherd does. He doesn't just say, listen, there's the rock. Lick on it. Give me your head. Shove it in there. No, he puts honey on the rock. So that you desire to come and to lick at it. And you get the salt. Hallelujah, it will be salted, and every sacrifice has to be that way, but it's done with a little bit of honey. What's the honey? Remember the vision that Brother Benham, or the dream the sister had, Brother Brenham would interpret it, where she was coming up the hill and just pouring the the water in this box, and it was just flowing out, rivers going everywhere, and she just couldn't stay in there, but finally the voice said, put a little honey on it. But when she put honey, which the honey represented the brotherly kindness, when she put that in the box, then she could take the same water of the word and bring it and pour it in, and it held. Praise be to God. That's what's so important about the goodness of God when he begins to instruct his disciples and say, don't forbid them. They're preaching Christ. Let them preach Christ. They're casting out devils in my name. Let them do that because it's done in brotherly kindness. Let's encourage them right. that maybe they'll come to the full knowledge of the truth. Right. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'll say it the other way, Sir Andrew, how do I always know when the right time is? I'll say it this way. Wait for the unction of the Holy One. Wait for the unction of God. You'll notice his brother Ed's been on this vein. I'll maybe just help him a little bit. Is that all right? Okay. Here we are. Sometimes a pastor will labor on something for services. And it seems like when's he ever going to get to the punchline? He's just been on this for a long time. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for the unction of the Holy Spirit. Because like I just preached, if he says it right, it'll fix the problem. But if it just comes across sharp, it won't fix a thing. It'll just cause strife and discord. It'll cause things to be said, and then this one, again, and then oh my goodness, and it calls all kinds of things. Why? Because a man can't go about it himself. He has to wait for the unction of the Holy Spirit. And a pastor might sit there and preach service after service after service, and finally get an evangelist to come up here and preach, and he nails it, and everyone's like, man, I like that guy. He preaches amazing. He hit what the pastor but he just couldn't seem to get to. Yeah, the pastor laid all the groundwork in there. He put it all together. He put it all right in order. He got it all just right set up so that way he's ready to go next service and then someone just preached the whole thing and he's, thank you. Thank you but the goodness of God and the pastor Amen. says exactly what Bill just said. Praise the Lord. Not, oh man, that was what I wanted to do. He took my thunder. No, it's thank God. It got across. The people received it. The sheep came to the rock after all. The seasoning was applied. Praise be to God. But it takes that waiting on God. As David said, let integrity and uprightness preserve me before I wait on thee. David was really good at waiting on God. And God loved that trait in David. That's to be filled with the goodness of God. That he was able to just wait until God showed him to move. We could take the time in the mulberry trees. And I won't get into that. I preached that on Sunday. You can go into that. But, but well, David waited for the rustle in the mulberry trees. And as, as he, it wasn't even a rustle. Do you know what the scripture said? It said, wait for the sound of the going. Now please, if you know what the sound of the going is, please raise your hand. I don't have a clue and the Bible never came to explain it but David knew what it was when it happened he said Andrew, how do I know when the unction of the Holy One comes upon me you'll know it when it happens when the timing is right you might have it on your heart to speak to a sister speak to a brother there might be something that's bothering you he said praying about it praying about it praying about it and all of a sudden the moment's there and you take it that was God Hallelujah. But David, even when he was leaving the throne, Absalom had decided to rebel, and through his deceit, he would crowned himself king, and he'd come to take over Jerusalem. I find it amazing. You can read it in 1 Samuel 16 and then 1 Samuel 19 when David finally comes back and takes care of a few things afterwards. But, but David didn't try to stay and fight for the throne. David willingly left. He didn't want blood to be shed in Jerusalem, the city of God. He didn't want that to happen. He said, no, I'll leave. He even said, leave the ark there. He, he had so much of the goodness of God in him that he just began to say, if God can bless Absalom, God bless him. I'm leaving. I'm going. I, I have to go out. If he's going to come, I'm not going to fight it. If, God, if that's what the plan of God is, I surrender. Wow. We don't like to do that. We like to get all up in ourselves. Say, don't you know who I am? Oh, you're going to take my place? Yeah. Just let it go sometimes. Sometimes you have to stand and say, no, I'm sorry, but this isn't right. We should take this uh, to a third party. We should talk about this and be reconciled. Sometimes that is the case, but sometimes you need to take a step back and say, okay, if if that's what the the Lord's will is, let him bless it. If God don't bless it, you'll see it. And if God don't bless it, and that brother or sister falls flat on their face, pick them up. Are you with me? Don't just step them back on the ground. I told you so. No, pick them up. Help them out. Amen. Like I said, I'm just trying to go slow tonight. Teach a little bit. Amen. He left so there wouldn't be bloodshed. It was the goodness of God in him as he was going out. We know the story so well. Shimei. Oh, Shimei, I thought, this is my time. And he began to spit on him. He began to call all kinds of names to David. And my goodness, finally all of the the sin has been visited upon you. This is it. This is it. Praise God. God's going to restore the house of Saul. It's going to be wonderful. I deserve the kingdom, not you. Someone else got in there. That's not the right attitude. But David, though maybe it seemed like he deserved it. When his integrity, I'll say, seemed to take a blow. When it looked like the sin of David had finally caught up to him. And his people look at him and say, I thought he was in, had integrity. But when it seemed like that took a blow, his uprightness came on the scene. When you see people look at him and see a sinful man, something within his heart constrained him to do the right thing. Oh my, his integrity and his uprightness that preserved him, even when it seemed nothing else could possibly go wrong, he was so inseparable from, do, from doing the right thing that he, he couldn't lash out against others. He couldn't. Even when it seemed they deserved it, Shimei, we could look at it naturally and say, he deserved it, man. When the man said, I'll take his head off right now, he probably deserved it. But David said, no. But maybe the Lord told him to do that. He was humble enough, he was a man that was able to humble himself enough to the will of God to say, not only will I abdicate the throne for Absalom, i walk out and let this man spit on me because maybe God. It wasn't that he said, I got thus saith the Lord, God told him. No, he said, perhaps, maybe. There's a small possibility that God is punishing me, so I'm just going to take it as it comes and allow the uprightness of my heart to preserve me while I wait on God and allow him to do the moving. Hallelujah. The Bible says, thinking man's filter, accept God's filtered word that could never fail nor pass away, and it will suit the holy man's taste. He said, like Jacob, we'll sacrifice all the world and the appetites for every denomination or fame that there is in the world where you could be a bishop, you could be a cardinal, you could be whatever you want to be, a state presbyter or a pastor of some great church or oh, you could put all kinds of things in there. He says, you could be all these things, but you'll sacrifice everything that there is. Not like Esau to become part of the world, but like Jacob You'll give everything you've got to obtain the birthright. The filter of the thinking man. Because it'll give you the holy man's taste. It will satisfy. It'll be satisfied. It will sanctify with the eternal taste of the holy goodness of God. Oh my, if you just accept the word of God. But then says, Well, how is it that the faith, that simple faith that applied the token? Hyssop. That they took it just represented common, simple faith. They applied the token. He said it had to be red, it had to be the blood upon the doorpost, upon the lintel. It's just simple faith. And he says in what place he says, just accept the word, receive the word. Just read the word, accept the word. That's it? Yeah. Hear the word, accept the word. It's that simple. How do I accept How do I get this holy man's taste? Hear the word, accept the word. Hear the word, believe the word. Keep drinking. Keep taking it in. Keep loving your brother. Yeah. Amen. David had made his mistakes already. We could go down the list of all the things David did wrong. You all know it. But even though he'd made those mistakes, he had tasted that the Lord is good. Though he had done what he'd done with Bathsheba, had Uriah killed, he knew what it was to pronounce his own judgment of death, and he seen the goodness of God in the forgiveness. Though he didn't deserve it, God came on the scene. He tasted that the Lord was good. He had tasted the forgiveness of God and the love, the joy of salvation, the peace of God. He was willing to sacrifice everything, his kingdom, his life, his pride, all of it, because he had a holy taste. He wanted God more than anything else. Oh, my. He didn't sacrifice it for the great things of the world, saying, oh, maybe God's something better for me. No, but for the integrity and the uprightness of his own heart, he sacrificed it all so that God could be honored. Romans 2, verse 4 said, Or despisest thou the richest, of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of god leadeth thee to repentance oh my the goodness of god not the hatred of god not the judgment of god not the wrath of god his goodness leads us to repent hallelujah Psalms chapter 25, verse 7. David writes, Remember me, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they are ever of old. Remember not the sins of my use, nor my transgressions according to thy mercy. Remember thou me for thy goodness' sake, O Lord. Oh, remember me according to thy goodness. For thy goodness' sake, Lord. Remember that. Don't remember my sin. Don't remember my transgressions. Why? Because it was his goodness that led David to repentance. I want to quickly read to you something. If I'm going to preach tonight, this will be all that you get out of it. I'm going to say this very quickly, as quick as I can, because this is the definition of the word good. Are you ready? Ready? Good. It means valid. Legally firm, not weak or defective, having strength and adequate to its support. It's valid. It's sound. It's not weak, not false, not fallacious. It's complete. It's sufficiently perfect in its kind. Oh my, it's having physical qualities best adapted to its designed and use. It's opposed to bad, opposed to imperfect, opposed to corrupted, opposed to impaired. It's having moral qualities best adapted to its design and use or the qualities of God that which God law requires. Good is virtuous, pious, religious, applied to persons and uh, opposed to bad, opposed to wicked and evil. Good is comfortable or conformable to the moral law and virtuous uh, uh, applied to actions. Listen to this, good is proper, good is fit, good is convenient, it's seasonable. I like that. Good is seasonable. It can be seasoned. It'll accept the seasoning of God. It's suitable to the taste and health. Good is suited to produce a sultry effect. It's adapted. It's it's suited to strengthen and to assist in in healthful functions. Good is pleasant to the taste. Good is, is full. It's complete. It's useful. It's valuable. I'm only at 14 out of 40 right now. It just goes on and on and on. What is good? This is the goodness of God. As God begins to, it's honorable, it's fair, it's all of these things. This is the goodness, there's so much to it. And yes, it could be summed up in a statement to say, goodness is to rejoice and be happy in the well-being, the spiritual prosperity, and the usefulness of others. But to do good, Hebrews says, Hebrews 13, 16, but to do good, and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. It's a sacrifice to be this way. With such sacrifice, to do good and to communicate. Oh, the scripture puts that in there. Forget not. Don't forget to communicate. Don't forget, brothers, when you're working late, call your wife. Say, honey, I'm going to be home late. Don't forget that. It means something to her. Don't forget, sisters, when you're at the checkout and it's going to be over $300, call your husband. Sorry, honey. So I put that one in there for my son. But don't forget to communicate. When you got something, you got somebody on your heart and you're praying for them. And sometimes we get down on our knees and we just pray and we pray and we pray and we pray and that's it. And we go to church and we see somebody and we never tell them. We never get on the phone and call them and say, Brother John, I was thinking about you. I've been praying for you. How you doing? And he might say, I'm doing amazing. The last week I'm doing good and in my heart I'm going, praise God, because this burns been on my heart about a week. And I've been praying about a week, and he's been doing good about a week. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Sometimes you got to get on the phone and communicate. Sometimes when you see them in church and you shake their hand, and sometimes you give someone so much opportunity, and you shake their hand and say, how you doing? And they go, good, and they walk out. You see them next service, how you doing? Good, and they walk out. You see them next service, how are you doing? Good, and they walk out. And then you hear from somebody else. You know, they're not doing so good communicate it goes both ways you say brother Andrew, you didn't pry you didn't pull you didn't say stop hold on a second you sure you're good no you told me you're good I, that's not that's meddling at that point but if you're not doing good say something talk to somebody go to the pastor go to the ministry go to the deacon go to somebody a friend someone that can lift you up and say you know i'm really struggling right now pray with me pray for me would you help me through this Don't forget to communicate. 1 Timothy chapter 6. In case you thought I was done with communication. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17 says, Charge them that are rich in the world. says that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who is giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good. The scripture seems to really harp on this and put it in there, do good. Yeah. It says, but this is so simple. I know, do good, but quite often it's not done. Yeah. Right. Amen. Because to do good is to put others before yourself, not expecting anything in return. There's scripture for that too, and we'll get to it if the Lord has time. It says, but it says do good that they, that, that they be rich in good works. Ready to distribute and willing to communicate. Hallelujah. Even the wealthy, even the poor, whatever one you are, be willing to communicate. Be about the Father's business. Do good. Psalms 37 verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. And so shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Psalms 37, 27 does depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. Oh my, now Matthew 5 and verse 43, we'll dwell a bit more on this. says, ye have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Glory be to God. Let my righteous indignation rise up. No, it doesn't say that. Says, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And we talked about the example of Shimei and how Shimei did all these things, you know, David didn't when he was restored back to the throne, he didn't get after Shimei. He left it to Solomon. When Solomon came to the throne, he told Solomon, Remember what Shimei did. And Solomon didn't say, Okay, right, yeah, hey, captain of the guard, go down there and kill that guy. No, he had grace. He said, Shimei, I need you to come here because I want to keep an eye on you. I know you're a meddling fellow, so I want to keep an eye on you. I'm going to love you. I know you're my enemy. But I'm going to love you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put you in a house right next to mine. You're going to live in Jerusalem. And you're going to live there. You can read all the scripture if you want when you go home. And you're going to live there in Jerusalem. If you ever cross over the book Kidron, then you're a dead man. But I got grace for you. As long as you stay here, it's all good. Hallelujah. That's God. God. And God will work that way through an individual. And he'll have grace. And then the ministry and the deacons, we have grace. That we can pour out. You ought to have grace for your brother to say, listen, brother, I love you. And this is my line. If you cross this line, I'm sorry, but I can't go there anymore. Because I need to move on with God. But I have grace for you regardless. Even your enemy, love them. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of the father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust for if ye love them that love you what reward have you do you not know even the publicans the same If you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others do you even as the publicans so? He says, be ye therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. It almost seems like a strange scripture to follow after talking about do good, do good, do good, but be perfect. Because he begins to talk about, he says, listen, the goodness of God is what makes you complete. Because this perfection isn't that you'll never make another mistake, but rather that you have a completion in God. In other words, you become good as the Father is good. Because the scripture says, Jesus says it to the rich young ruler, there is none good but God. Luke, then we could read in Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 33, actually records the same scripture, but it records it in a different way. And he says, If you do good to them which do good, verse 33, If you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. If you lend to them of hope that ye to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. Oh my. Just just going through the goodness of God. To give. Not expecting anything in return. God did the ultimate of in the fact that he made a covenant. That he said, I got you on both sides. I know you can't keep it. So my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not expecting you to come up to here. I've got grace for you so that you can live under the blood. So you could have and you, you'll be able to be good and perfect as I am good and perfect by my blood. Hallelujah. Oh, he expects something in return. Yeah, he expects you just to say, Lord, I'm all yours. I surrender. I relinquish control. My hands are off the reins. Jesus, take the wheel. Not when you're driving 110 down the highway, but in your life. Say, Lord, you're in complete control of my life. I'm not guiding this car anymore, where I'm going, what I'm doing, where my end goal is. No Lord, you're the one that's in control. Yeah. It's as if, if you lend to someone else in hope that you receive it, you ought to lend in hope not thinking he'll ever give something for you. You might lend to your brother a shovel. Here you can borrow my shovel, Brother Ed. I'm sitting there going, "Man, I really need a traco. I really wish he'd rent me a traco. I gave him a shovel. Why doesn't he give it back? He should, he should rent me a piece of machinery, you know. He should upgrade me. I helped him in a time and he should help me in a time of need. do no. I give to him. If he never crosses his mind to help me back, praise God. Amen. Don't worry, he's helped me a lot, so that's why I just use him. <laughs> but, but we ought to give that way. That's a real Christian. That's brotherly love. That we would go out of our way for our brother, for our sister. Without ever thinking they'd do the same for us. If you salute your brethren only, what do you have? Oh my, where are we at? It says, but you love your enemies, verse 35. But, you, but love you your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the, kingdom, the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him, even though he knew there'd be so many billions that would not believe. Yeah, he said, it's there for you. He says, be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is Merciful. So he reads it another way. Be ye therefore perfect as your Father is perfect. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father is merciful. Be ye therefore good as your Father is good. That's the goodness of God. It gives you mercy. Amen. Amen. I want want to just take the other side of it. Are you still with me? We still got a little bit of time. All right. If you go into Jeremiah chapter 4. Verse 19. It seems like we could look at it and we could just say, of course, it's so simple. And it is simple. it's not that easy to just do good. Because there's been many times in the Bible where it just hasn't been done. Because hear in Jeremiah, verse chapter 4 and verse 19, that it begins to prophesy. and say, my bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me, I cannot hold my peace, because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of a trumpet, the alarm of war. That's yeah, terrible. Destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is spoiled. Suddenly are my tents spoiled and my curtains in a moment. How long shall I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For, now here's the reason for all this: for my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are, are, are sodish children and they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. He says, I've got all this hurt in my heart, and it seems my tents are spoiled and everything's just gone. Why? Because my people have decided they don't know how to do good. What a thought. We could read it in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 where it would be very familiar to us where we're talking about in the days of Noah where God saw the wickedness of the heart of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he ever made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. So here's these times where he's, God's looking down and he's seeing nobody's doing good. We could even go into Mark chapter 3 where the, Jesus now had the world that got to such a, a situation, the religious realm, and he says, and Jesus, and he saith unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to kill, but they held their peace. So what's happening here, Jesus on the Sabbath they had just withered, uh, just healed the man with the withered hand. He'd come and he just healed him, it was on the Sabbath and the Pharisees and them were going, how could you do that? That's, that's not right. It's the Sabbath day. You shouldn't do any work on the Sabbath day. But he says, listen, you forgot how to do good. All these laws and things you put in place, you're making it so it's impossible to do good. And it's come to that place again because that's the world that we're living in where even James chapter 4 right, says, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And in Jeremiah 13, uh, 23, we'll just put this in here too, it says, can the Ethiopian change his skin? Can the leopard his spots? Then then may you also do good that are accustomed to do evil. In other words, he's saying, there is a, a people that just cannot do good. No matter how much you look at them and say, why can't the leopard just lick his spots off. He just shines a brighter. You get somebody that's just evil intent in their heart. The pride of life is a motive that drives someone to do something and though they think they're doing good and they're trying and they're trying and all they're doing is evil. Why? God said there's a people like that. that No matter how hard you try and say just do good, they just can't. They can't over, it. they fail over and over again. And this is the general age. I'll say this is the general age that we're living in. It's become good to just accept everything. It's become good to just allow somebody, and and, 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 and it's even become, that they the don't want you to hate the sin anymore because they've, they've made Satan so twisted the minds of the people until the sin and the person, is, he wants to convince you it's the same thing when it's not. The well, Bible says, hate the sin, not the sinner. But he wants to try and take it and put someone in there that's whatever, whatever way they're in, some kind of twisted lifestyle, and, he, and they want to make it and say, because you hate that, you hate me. No, I don't. There's a soul in those individuals. There's a soul in a homosexual man that can be saved. There's a soul in a twisted woman that can be saved. There's a soul that's worth 10,000 worlds, but the sin is an abomination to God. And though the world and in the governments that we're in, they try so hard to do good, but yet they just shine the evil brighter and brighter. Why? Because it's Satan's Eden. It's continually evil before God. But we're good, we're goodness in our world has become an impossibility. To do something selfless without desire of recognition is a scarce thing today. You say, well, I didn't do it for selfish motives, but it sure would be nice for someone to recognize me. Where's the goodness of God in that? If you're recognized, bless the Lord. If you're not, did you do it for that? Because that's the wrong motive. That becomes pride. When you did it so someone would see, look what I did. But if you just did it, And you just helped. And you were just behind the scenes. This is why I love brothers like sound technicians and video technicians. They're behind the scenes. They're not looking quite often. The fact that I'm talking about them right now, they're sinking lower in their seats probably because they don't want to be talked about. They like to be behind the scenes. God bless you, brothers. They like to be that way, just behind the scenes. Don't, don't, Don't lift me up. Don't put me up. Why? Because that's their desire. God bless them for that. We need more brothers, more sisters like that that are willing to say, I just want to serve God. I don't care if I get recognized. If I need to plan something, I don't care if I get recognized. If no one ever gives me a bouquet, well, I'll get a whole bouquet when I get to the other side because that's where my reward is. It says in Romans seven twenty one. and this is always a contradiction, He says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. In other words, it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. It becomes difficult because when I would do good, when I desire, Satan's always there to plant thoughts in your mind. Why are you doing this? Isn't this for your, are you trying to be somebody? Maybe I'm the only one he's ever told that to. You're trying to be somebody behind you. Getting up and preaching, you're trying to be somebody. Yeah, you know what? The devil tells me that all the time. And I know it's the devil because I would rather not be up here I would rather sit down there and let Brother John preach, Brother Max preach, Brother Moses preach, Brother Ed preach. I'll just sit and pull on the water, and that would be lovely and wonderful. But I can't because God called me to do something, and I have to do it this way. All right, I'll just take two more scriptures and then we'll close. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Here's how you do something very selflessly, without recognition. When opportunity comes, then do it. Don't push your way in. Let God give you the room. The gift will make room for itself. No matter what it is, whether you're a sister and you want to plan a big party, whether you're a brother and you want a song lead, whether Whatever it is, whatever place in the body. Everyone has a place in the body. Maybe that is your place. Maybe that's what God's called you to do. But let God, let the gift make room for itself. Let God recognize it and God will put it on a brother's heart that will show, hey, that one's got a gift in his life. We'd like to use that and give them opportunity to do good to the household of faith. Amen. Amen. What are you waiting for? Wait for the unction of the Holy One. It's not just applied to spiritual things and to preaching. It's applied to life. Wait for the unction of God to see, Lord, when's the right opportunity in order to use the talents that you gave me to be a blessing to the bride of Christ? Let him be the user of it because then it will be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Finally, my brethren, 1 Peter chapter 8, we'll close here. It says, finally, my brethren, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Hallelujah. Be courteous. Have pity on one another. Be courteous to one another. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but counterwise blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Oh, I love that he puts that in there. Let him be this way. Don't, 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 don't be the, the one in the back row. I'm just preaching from my heart now. Don't be the one in the back row that's always got something to say. Yeah. I don't like that. I wish he didn't do it that way. He should have changed that. He shouldn't have said it that way. Oh, now it's this way. Oh, I don't like how this is all going. Why is that sister playing the piano? Why is that brother on the keyboard? Why is this one happening this way? Why is Brother Andrew preaching Wednesday? Should be Brother Ed. Why is this going on? You get that way and we just like sit right in the back row. So don't let that come. Don't let that be. Right. Love. Be uplifting. But rather eschew evil. And do good. And let him seek peace. And ensue it peace and ensue it. Try and bring about peace. As much as possible, the scripture says, live peaceably with all men. As much as possible. Yes, I know there's a time, it just ain't possible. But as much as possible, ensue peace. Say, Lord, how can I bring amends to this situation? How can I be a blessing? How can I ensure peace in this home and in this church? He says, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against him that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is God? Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. We'll just leave it there because verse 12 is a whole nother opening. But God, the eyes of the Lord, the, the the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears is open to your prayers. He loves those that are upright. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. When it seems my integrity has taken a blow, and Lord, everything's gone wrong. Help me to do right. right. Help me in the trial to possess the gates of mine enemies. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I was really struggling with a song to sing, but I think we'll sing, I love you, Lord. Your goodness never fails me. Your goodness is running after me. You know what I'm talking about. I love you,
0: Lord, for your mercy never fails Hallelujah. me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. among us, all that he does, all of his mercy, all of his love. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly
1: Father, Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord Jesus, for being here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here as we just worship you, Lord, and you're worthy of all our worship and our praise, Lord, that your goodness and your mercy, Lord, has kept us all the days of our lives, Lord. And May the integrity and uprightness of God preserve me, Lord, as we wait upon you. May we wait upon you in the days to come, Lord. We know what lays ahead of us, Lord. And you know, Lord Jesus, beyond a shadow of a doubt, what what tomorrow holds. So, Lord, we want today just to surrender. Say, Lord, it's in your hands, Lord. We're just going to wait on you, Lord, and let you take the lead. We'll just be before you. Lord God, may you have your way in our lives, Lord. May your goodness and mercy... Lord Jesus, go before us, we pray. Lord, as we commit ourselves to you, Lord, we commit each one to you tonight. Blessed the ones, Lord, that are listening in, Lord, from the different places, I pray. Your hand would be upon them, Father. Watch over us as we go home, Lord. I ask that your will would be done in all that we do and say, Lord, as we commit this service to you. May you give the increase, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wonder if we can sing that song as you're dismissed. How great is our God. Sing with me the splendor of a king.
0: Oh, the splendor of a king. Oh, delight. wraps himself Beyond compare It's love beyond compare He, he chose, chose himself a right
1: Not in time. bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name. If you'd like to stay and worship a while, you're welcome
0: to. Amen.